Hi guys and welcome to episode 37 of the Road CC podcast in association with Lacquer. Now we've got a bit of a special podcast today because we were involved with an episode of Panorama which is called Road Rage, Cars versus Bikes. Now this is a bit of a controversial title and not everybody agrees with it. I'm personally of the opinion that it is a little bit inflammatory. But we were really lucky and we managed to sit down with Richard Bilton, who is an investigative reporter and also a cyclist who did kind of most of the investigation work around this and was also the presenter. So it was really interesting to hear from him exactly what he found when he was doing this work and also kind of you know what it was like filming it and kind of why he came up with the idea in the first place. It's a really, really interesting insight and yeah, if you are listening to this before Wednesday at 8pm, which is when it's going out on terrestrial TV, you can catch it on iPlayer from 6am for some reason. Not 100% sure why the BBC decided to release a programme like that, but it is what it is and probably well worth a watch. And in the second part of the podcast, Liam sat down with Matt Rowe, who is the Garmin Cycling Ambassador. He's also a massive indoor training enthusiast and has started his own team, um, which is really exciting. So it was really good to hear what he had to say. So he spoke about everything from indoor training, why it's so beneficial and why it's such a good thing to do during the winter. It was a really interesting chat and I hope that you guys enjoy it as much as I did. So enough of me rambling on. Here is episode 37 of the Road CC podcast in association with Lacquer. to record a special version of the podcast today because we have been involved with Panorama um, because tomorrow as we're recording this we are well they're releasing a show which is Road Rage Cars versus Bikes so we've been lucky enough to be joined by Richard who is the presenter Hello. of Panorama to discuss firstly what what the show's about. Um, and Richard, I'm right in thinking that you are a cyclist yourself as well. Yeah, I am. Um, um, sort of classic, got to a uh, middle age um, and and then kind of just got kind of crazy into it. And uh, so now I try and cycle wherever I go. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I've got um, skin in the game. I care about cycling and that's probably, well, that is where the programme kind of emerged from really. Interesting. So, I mean, maybe tell us a little bit more um, about kind of what you found within the program. So what did you, I mean, was there anything interesting that you thought was kind of like really useful around kind of having those conversations with people, especially kind of coming at it, as you say, from kind of a cyclist's kind of take well, I mean, so uh, Panorama. I'm, normally, I'm an investigative reporter. This pro- this year, I've done programs on Uber, leaker documents, um, financial services. I went to Afghanistan to look at a rogue SAS unit. So I sort of do kind of pretty serious stuff normally. Um, but I am a cyclist, and I also think that Panorama should kind of reflect people's lives. It should reflect 
when you put the telly on and you watch Panorama, it should be things that you don't know about, but also things that you care about already. So I'm doing a program about housing at the moment. So when it came to cycling, my uh, experience, and it's shared by a lot of people I know, is, you know, most drivers are great. They give you loads of space. I live in North Yorkshire, country lanes. I can get out and about. Most people are great. And then once or twice on every ride, somebody does something mad and and it kind of nearly kills me. And, um, you know, I just thought this can't be normal. And then you look at the government policy and it's to increase uh, people on the road, uh, boost the numbers. They're spending billions of taxpayers' money to do that. So there's a tension there. And uh, lots of people get injured, 45 a day, uh, two people a week on average get killed. So it's serious. It, this tension is serious. And all cyclists, all the people probably listening and watching this, they kind of know that. And you make a deal with yourself when you go out that, you you know, something mad might happen to you. And that's just what you're going to put up with. And I didn't really, I thought this, this we've got to explore that a bit. Um, and so that's where the program came from. I wrote a pitch, which is how it works. You say, this is what I think we can get out of a program. It's not just, you know, a cyclist ranting you know just shouting at cars <laughs> which is fair you know we try and get people uh, on both sides um because not least because our audience on bbc one is mostly not cyclists uh, and of course all cyclists or virtually all cyclists are drivers as well so <clears throat> we try and be fair as we do anyway um i'm sure it'll get complaints because they always do but we try to get that's where it came from it came from an exploration of this tension between people like us who go cycling and people on the road who drive dangerously. Interesting. Yeah, because, I mean, it's obviously something that we've been covering on Road CC for a long time. So we've got the near miss of the day element, which is... In the programme. Yeah, uh, Yes, which is exactly, which is in the programme, which we're very excited to see. Um, well, it's not good. And I mean... It's in the programme, but like... A... It's good, it's good that it's in the program. It's not so great that it exists in the first place. Yeah, yeah. We, we don't. We, the idea is we don't want it to exist eventually, but uh, I think it, it will for the foreseeable, unfortunately. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, they're shocking examples, pronounced examples. I think is what they are. But all of us, I think it's pretty true to say that I go on a cycle ride for about a couple of hours. I don't know what your what your regimes are, but if I do a couple of hours. I'll see two or three, you know, I'll see mostly good people and then two or three crazy drivers. Um, now you asked me earlier whether I'd learned anything. And one person from cycling UK actually said to me, look, most people who cut you up, they don't know they're doing it. You know, they don't, they're not actively trying to ruin your day or hurt you. They're just not very good drivers. They're not spatially aware. They're cutting you up because they think they passed you. And that actually that has slightly changed my attitude. But then you, we all know that these people come flying past you as kind of punishment pasts because they're angry that they've had to wait or whatever it is. Um, I always wave when people wait. You know, I'm really conscious of it. I am not in any way like a kind of, um, you know, trying to defend my space on the road. I only want to cycle. <laughs> I don't want to fight. Um, but it's dangerous. And um, look, in the program, we talked to, uh, to the widows of two blokes who were killed in the Chilterns. Um, and you know they were they were just killed and i spoke to their widows and the widows said look they were talking to me and they said look it's almost selfish of you to go cycling because you know your life can be ended so quickly and that you know that can't be right you know it can't be right that a, a hobby brings with it all that danger yeah it's it's a it's a difficult i mean as i mean i guess that they were probably coming at it from a, from a different viewpoint you know i see you know, 
potentially well actually no, i'm going to cut that bit out i'm not going to say that um yeah, yeah i guess that they were coming at it from a point of grief which means that you know perhaps their perspective of it is slightly different to it to cycling than ours um because i don't think that anybody would ever say that you know they're kind of taking their well they're, they're deliberately taking their lives in their own hands in order to go cycling um but i mean something that's quite interesting around that kind of you know slightly tangentially is that there is this there is this perception of cycling as kind of like a dangerous thing that people do not just in terms of you know cyclists getting killed but also cyclists injuring others causing nuisance and a lot of this comes from the way that it's kind of reported so I mean, maybe you could give us some perspective on this from, from you, I guess you've got kind of a unique viewpoint on it, but there's obviously, there's been some backlash around the naming of the pro of the program. I mean, what's, what's your perspective on that? I mean, how did we, how did you guys come up with that name? Was it, a, uh, what, what kind of research was done around it? Because I know that a lot of cyclists have, have kind of, um, yeah. yeah objected I, to it. Yeah. I mean, the, it's not passing the book, but the, we come up with some names as a as a program, and then the, uh, people who run BBC One choose a title that they think will attract an audience. Um, and yeah, so that's how that happens. Um, I think as a journalist, uh, I would say judge me on the film, not the title. Um, uh, it's fair. Like I'm a cyclist, so I'm nailing my colours to the mast. But I'm you know I talk to I'm talking to drivers. I'm putting the other side. So when we uh, when we I, I went on this journey from where I live up here in Yorkshire down to London, going through various. I didn't do the whole journey as a journey. I'm not pretending that I did it in chunks. Um, and um, I would have loved to have done the journey, but um, like wasn't the time. Yeah, <laughs> there wasn't the time. But we so we did do, stopped off in all these different places and. So I'm, there were GoPros around me and a cameraman when we were filming. And so when people go really close to me, we show that. But then when we're in London and cyclists, that's why we saw it. I'm sure it happens everywhere. But we, cyclists were jumping red lights. We put that in as well. We're not, uh, this is not a, um, a particle, party political broadcast from the cycling party. I'm a journalist and I want to look at the issue. And there is this tension there. And I think every, most people would agree there's a sort of more pronounced tension, or it seemed to me anyway, in London than there is perhaps where I live here in a rural uh, uh, situation. So, yeah, I mean, judge me on the on the film rather than the, um, the, the title. I think, I don't know what I think really, because I'm, I'm old enough now as a reporter to never really be sure how people react to programmes. But it's pretty clear where it comes from. I am a cyclist and I'm concerned and i go off and explore what i find on the roads yeah it's um i am really interested to see what the reaction of it is going to be because there has i mean i i was involved in a in a channel five show a few years ago which was kind of exploring this theme i mean it was a lot more you know it's not let's say it's not panorama it wasn't panorama level it was very much kind of you know, police camera action kind of levels. And that caught, I got quite a lot of kickback from that. Um, and I mean, have so far, have you had any kind of negative feedback from drivers or anything like that kind of, obviously it's not aired yet, but. We've only had the title so far. I'd be, yeah, I mean, yeah. I haven't had anything yet, apart from I saw some stuff on Twitter. I'm not on Twitter. And, um, but like I did a program earlier this year about the SAS and, uh, 
like I just got so much there's an investigation into a rogue unit and I got a lot of reaction um I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with reaction reaction uh, is a response there's different camps of reaction so there's, there's there's people who don't like that you're talking about whatever the topic is irrespective of what you say um uh, there's always going to be people who think that you're not enough on their side or or whatever I don't know really so as long as I'm fair um and um and, and everything I say is for the right reasons and without malice because I, 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 you know, I believe it and I think it needs investigating, then I'm kind of okay with the reaction really. I mean, you know, if you're a TV reporter, <laughs> it's not unusual for people to stop me and tell me what they think. Um, it's not always entertaining, but it's part of the job. And um, people, you know, they watch telly, they pay their license fee, they're entitled to think what they like. I can't control what they think. I'm not, some people think you should write to everybody and go around saying, no, you're wrong for disagreeing with me. I just think people are entitled to their opinion. As long as I've done my job to the best of my ability, think what you like is what I think. So I, I guess that there will be somehow around, there are some topics that always are going to create a reaction. I guess cycling is one because it's uh, a bit divisive and the title, of course, alludes to that. Um, and that's going to annoy some people. But I think if they see the programme, it's, you know, it's fair. Look, it's, I'm, I'm a cyclist, so I am on one side of the fence. I'm openly on one side of the fence. But I get the other side. I get I get, I get, get why people get annoyed. And maybe before I was a cyclist, I, 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 was, I would get, I don't remember doing this, but I'm sure, you know, I would have been frustrated behind a cyclist or whatever, or whatever it is that people get annoyed about. Um, I guess they're real things. Although people always say to me, oh, you get stuck behind 30 cyclists in a peloton. I don't think I've ever had that. I mean, that seems to be the thing that everybody says, and I can't think of a single time. Well, do, do, I think that's what the- um, some people want, because uh, some people who may have looked at the title of the programme, I think that's the general point, that the cars and uh, drivers and cyclists, it, it isn't a level playing field. It's, uh, it, you know, the when... when um, it's just a fact. It's not. I'm. I'm not saying it because we're cyclists and we're we're biased. We are. We're a cycling website. But um, if if somebody jumps a red light, a cyclist, it's not going to cause that. Well, the chances of it causing the same damage as someone doing that in a very large vehicle are like so much lower. So I think um, that's what I'm kind of wanting to get at is people who think they might be disappointed or think that it's going to be, you know. Uh, just um, having a go at cyclists, this document. Will, will these people be pleasantly surprised by this by this program? In your opinion, I, <laughs> <laughs> I can't start guessing. That's the road to madness. Um, I mean, it's like what I would say is most of the life of this podcast will be in an era after broadcast, so people will be able to make their own mind, won't they? And um, like, I don't know how many. Um, TV programs will be on peak time this year, presented by a cyclist who's worried about the way cyclists are treated. Um, I'm not sure it'll be that many. <laughs> so that's where it, that's what it is. Uh, it's fair to both sides, but it certainly isn't. That the, all the all the things that you've just said are reflected in the program. Yeah. You know, if you if you if you look at what I'm doing, I like, if, if I wanted to be have a tax cyclist, I wouldn't get on a bike wear Lycra and. Um, and film myself doing it, it, I'd have to do that. So, I mean, it's, it's, it is what it is. It's a, an exploration of what I think is a big issue in this country and that people, the thing I was most motivated by were the figures that showed, um, I think it's two thirds of the population think that they wouldn't go on a bike because it's too dangerous. And half 
of the population would cycle more if they felt they could do it safely. So what that means is there's millions of people who won't go on a bike because they just think it's too dangerous. Um, uh, because this goes out uh, uh, on Wednesday after the embargo, we've got some sort of, we did some research um, and, and that's produced some sort of amazing figures, you know, that one in three uh, drive. We, so we had a, a poll done of 12,500 uh, drivers. It was a, an online poll and they opted in to, to, to do it. But 12,500 gives you a pretty robust cohort. Um, one in three drivers who responded thought that cyclists shouldn't be on the road. Uh, 28% thought too much uh, effort had been put into making things uh, right for cyclists. One in three thought that cyclists um, weren't equal partners on the road. And I don't think they mean the <laughs> the pyramid of, of road users. I think they just literally meant we're not equal partners. One in four said that they had knowingly gone close to um, a cyclist. So that is only what I have seen in my own life. Uh, that is what I've seen. Most people are great. And then some people you can see in their eyes just think that you shouldn't be there. And that's what we're exploring. So there's a, you, know, you look at the figures for, for sort of modal transport use. That's the, you know, the boring expression for how many um, uh, journeys or the, or the proportion of our journeys that happen on bikes. It's really low. It's one in 50 or something in this country. It's one in four in Holland, but one in six in Sweden, one in seven in, in Denmark. Um, it's because cycling is built, plugged into their transport network in a way that it isn't at the moment here. So the government is spending money, billions of pounds. I mean, they spend a lot more on roads for cars, but they spend a lot of money on I cycling. Think they spend more and, on, but I think, uh, I think it's more on one junction in the southwest than cycling for the entire yeah. England. Yeah, but that's probably true. But they are spending billions of pounds, and that's a lot of money. And um, but you know, I don't think anything changes as unless cyclists feel safe. And uh, my sort of conclusion is that it often doesn't feel very safe, or you don't feel very welcome. So, do, does the program thought. explore what could be done or what needs to? Because I mean, you could say it that like if if you've got you said like how many was it one in four people think cyclists shouldn't even be on the roads because they one, one in three. three. I mean, how do you go about changing those people's opinions? Is it just because uh, the, the way if, if they're going to act on those feelings, like close past cyclists on purpose, or try and run people off the roads? Like, is it is it? Yeah, but they've not said no, that. No, <laughs> but I, I mean, if, if these people have these it. thoughts, then you know, um, a very small yeah, minority I mean, made it. So, I mean. Uh, what I mean is people saying things like that fuels the fire. And then every now and again, you get one in a million will do something horrific because of the rhetoric. Um, how do you, yeah, how, I mean, how do we stop going this, um, this rhetoric? Does Panorama explore how, so they, these, the, the drivers, someone who might say that, Oh, I despise cyclists, but they're never going to actually do anything about it. They're just going to say it down the pub. Um, how do you begin to yeah, change I mean, that person's it, opinion? Well, I don't know about changing things. And uh, you're reporters too. The great thing about us is we have power without responsibility. <laughs> so we report facts, but I don't have to find solutions. Yeah. That's not part of my... I can tell you what people think and what's going on, but I don't have to then solve it. Um, I mean, <clears throat> to, to, but to sort of unpick a lot of what you said, um, I was interested when we were getting the programme ready about the kind of academic research into the kind of othering of cyclists. You know, it's a group that you can go into a pub and say, bloody cyclists... Um, you know, want to run one over and everybody will laugh. Uh, and it, of course, if you're a cyclist, it's not very funny. And do you know, actually, a thing that um, 
one of the, when I got when I started thinking about doing a program on this because it's quite brave I think for Panorama to do a program not brave is the right word but it's not traditional Panorama topic but I thought it, I thought it's a legitimate topic and somebody had said to me just type cyclist into Twitter just do that at any point and see what you get and I actually did it this morning and it said anyone who is a cyclist is the bane of existence to all drivers that's where the tension is it's a, it's a live thing so I thought that's the thing that we should reflect um, the survey was just. I wanted to see if we could put some numbers on that. Um, and it is a minority, um, but I wanted to see if we could find a figure for it. You know, how big a minority is it that doesn't like us being there? Um, now, like you say, um, they might not like us being there. And you, most cyclists will have experienced that feeling of not being particularly welcome, but they are a minority and they don't do it. It's a massive leap to then hurt anybody. You know, I'm, and we're not certainly not suggesting that. They just think we shouldn't be there. But... Um, but look, it makes for an unwelcome, unpleasant uh, atmosphere for lots of cyclists some of the time, and that's the thing I wanted to get into because because we, we know we're not very good at encouraging people onto the roads. Now, I went to Leicester uh, and did some filming there. They are they've spent a hundred million pounds in Leicester to convert <coughs> um, a lot of the uh, uh, roads, like Guildhall Road, which was a main thoroughfare, and that's now just for cyclists and walkers. Um, the, the network of uh, like I went we filmed there for a few days and I was on my bike and I used it to get about I used the cycle paths and it works there are some that are kind of on the road and they're not that comfortable but there are loads of proper paths that you can be a cyclist in Leicester so, and and I spoke to people who said I didn't use the cycle there's now this system where I don't have to go near the road and I feel really safe so there's good stuff going on but my program certainly isn't so our, our program I should say isn't certainly isn't saying it's a nightmare stay in and don't go out on your bike. I go on my bike all the time. But like like all journalism, like what you do is just exploring the reality of what's out there. So that's all we're trying to do really is say, we kind of all, you know, if you're a cyclist, you sort of feel it, but what's the reality? Uh, so I've cycled from York, Yorkshire to London through various different places to see what happened. I've met people who've had um, uh, bad and good experiences. Uh, and then we did this survey where we try and put some meat on the bone. Actually, the other thing that they talk about, I haven't got the figures directly in front of me, actually, but they, it's something like, I'm not sure you can say it's something like with statistics. <laughs> so yeah. I'll, probably the, I'll probably get you the exact statistics. But we most most of the people uh, supported the changes to the highway code. I think we've got 78%. So that's that was an odd one um, in that, um, you know, they seem to be critical of... Um, of, of the presence of, of uh, cyclists on the road and yet supported these measures, which uh, theoretically give us um, a bit more protection. But they said 30, 33% said too much money had been spent improving roads for cyclists. 54% thought they should we should have a registration plate. And 71% thought that cyclists should have insurance. So that, that again is this idea of a bit more control of cyclists. But I mean, they're not new ideas. We've seen those rattling around um, it's not my job to decide whether they're legitimate oh, it, or not. Yeah, I mean, we, we've, we've gone over these uh, every now and again. This comes up and it's thoroughly, thoroughly. Yeah. Uh, well, the governments around the world have had it put. To the, I, I don't understand what it is. It's only North Korea. Yeah, North Korea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we have a, we have a handy feature on that about where it, uh, it's um, uh, required to be it's licensed. Tried, and, and, and even in North Korea, they flout it, which is... Uh, you know, so it, it's clearly a nonsense. But I don't. Um, I'll never understand the disconnect between how many people think that sounds like a good idea, and then when um, 
people who are better than me at economics actually crunch the numbers decide that it's probably one of the most ridiculous things you could do like uh yeah Yeah. i mean it seems to me to be my personal view and i'm only a reporter so i don't have any qualification to start deciding what we do or don't do as a nation but my personal view would be it would be a bit mad because it would stop people cycling which is good for the nation um and um that that seems to me to be a silly thing to do and if it's about protecting pedestrians or something you know more people are killed by cows than cyclists um and if anybody breaks the law then they should be punished and there's plenty of laws there to do that so we don't need um we don't need new laws you just need to uh, apply the ones that are there and nobody thinks cyclists can do as they like i certainly don't think that so um so 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 a lot of these debates seem to be kind of debates that sort of express a position and that in the spectrum but i mean i mean i guess the programs like ours they can't help but kind of fuel um, that debate. But it really isn't about that from my, from my point of view. It is just about a kind of awareness. You know, a lot of our viewers won't go and get on a bike. They'll be in that group of people who think it's just too scary and dangerous. Yeah. And I can do it for them. I can show them what it's like. Uh, that's kind think, of my job. I, I think that's and, why uh, we decided to get involved with the programme. Because, you know, we are see- even before the programme's aired, we're seeing um, people who are questioning whether this is going to be a good thing for cyclists and that but like with, with our near miss of the day series we we get accused of the same uh, principle isn't it? uh well we, it, it, yeah it's like why are you even drawing attention to this but uh we think that it should we we present those near miss of the day stories like their news and they are news it's to us it's news and to other people it should yeah. be um bearing in mind our platform is a hell of a lot smaller than the bbc's or uh, perhaps we're preaching to the choir sometimes but then every now and again <laughs> these near miss of the day articles will reach a wider audience and amongst them you know a lot of drivers who might take a negative view some it might really make them think i mean like oh uh, i really don't want to be one of the people but, who is uh, scaring the hell out of somebody who's just on their bike or um yeah but they'll know won't they anybody who cycles unless you do not very much cycling in a place where there's not many very many cars you'll have had a moment where you think oh, this is a bit ropey um jack schofield is in our program i don't know if you're familiar with him he he did i think he might have been in certainly your, his story was in road cc but he was in a lot of the national papers because he got knocked off around knocked off his bike on a i remember this ch- yeah yeah i've actually he's the chap who, there's, the a, there's a picture still image of him basically 180 degrees yeah about to fall, That's right. fall off his bike. Oh, yeah. Everyone remembers. He's a Road CC uh, reader. So, he, you know, he's... I mean, he uh, is a triathlete. He was cycling from... Uh, he lives in Yorkshire and he was cycling to Chelsworth. Uh, Cheltenham, I think. He was going a long way. And the woman who knocked him off, she didn't even... She went the wrong way around a roundabout and didn't even touch the roundabout. Didn't he? You know, it was so wrong way around that she didn't even touch the white bit in the middle. Um, but if he told me a great story that if you... When it was in the, the the national newspapers, you know, underneath there's a comment section, and by about comment five, people were going, "Well, what's he doing anyway? He's going, <laughs> he's just been knocked thirty feet in the air," and yeah. the criticism was starting to turn to him. So, <clears throat> if you want to, well, I mean, you're journalists, so you don't need me to tell you. But if you don't want people to say uh, critical things of you, you just wouldn't get up on a morning. So, it's our job to say we think this is an issue. Here's what we've done. Watch the program. I mean, at the moment, it's a sort of um, phony argument about the title, and I wonder what they'll have. You know, this time tomorrow it goes on. It goes um, on iPlayer. I, I don't know why this, but this one goes on iPlayer from six a.m. So it's there, you know, all day and then at night. So people can just watch it, and make their own mind up, and uh, 
which is how it should be. You know, I, I don't, I won't do any criticism. Anybody emails me, I will email, unless they swear, I will email back. Um, so um, that's just the qualification. But um, yeah, so people are entitled to their opinion. I don't, I've got no problem with people disagreeing with me. I can, I will always be able to stand over why we've done something because that's what you get paid to do. Like, like you, mm. if you write an article, you, you know why you've done it and what you set out to achieve. And, you know, you just do it madly and, you know, panoramas take, uh, I mean, this one took, probably started in January. We filmed it um, in the summer. Uh, in fact, it looks amazing. It looks, now we're in November, August just looks like a different world, but it looks, you know, very shiny and lovely. And uh, it's why we all cycle, get out there in the fresh air. Um, so, yeah, we, we you know, we, none of this is done casually and the BBC has got lots of different bits to it that look at this film and make sure that independently they think that we're being fair and I, I, all of that. I mean, I'm mm. I'm old, <laughs> so I'm used to that. It doesn't bother me. It's fine. Um, Richard, an interesting thing. So kind of, you know, you've, you've said how, you know, there's all of these comment sections. You go onto Twitter, you find that, you know, you just type in the word cyclist and there's just people that basically want us to not exist yeah during the progress so obviously a lot of this stuff and even in the um even in the surveys i assume that that was pretty much done like anonymously you couldn't see exactly who it was so within the program did you actually manage to speak to anybody who had those genuine views that they were willing to say kind of out loud basically to the nation yeah we did so we um we did some the vox pop sort of classic you know um why you don't like, uh, what is it about cyclists that you don't like? So we've done a couple of blasts of that. We spoke to um, Rod Little, who is the Sunday Times. Oh, um, God, yes. <laughs> so he's, he's, he always seems to get that reaction with with cyclists. He, what he said when we arrived uh, to interview him was, look, I think most cyclists are, are fine. And um, most of what he says, uh, his point and not mine, would be that he uses humour um, uh but but says you know outrageous things that's his job as a columnist so we talked to him because we just thought he would give us a sort of opinion from the other side and he says um he agrees with most cyclists prefers cyclists to motorists um i suppose if, if i was to sort of distill his argument it would be that among some cyclists there's a bit of self-righteousness he thought that um uh that we don't sometimes we don't abide by the rules so for example we you know we go through red lights and stuff um and that's the othering if you lump everybody i was going to say it's like he means like yeah well that's that's my they so i should forgive him that because he said that 95 percent of cyclists were um he thought were just a good thing you know um so we use him to to try and get some of those arguments um and and as long as we go along we meet people but we do also talk to people who are uh, uh, we talked to Cycling UK, we talked to somebody who's campaigning for safer roads in London because the three areas that we look at in London are uh, Kensington, where they've taken away the cycle path, um, Hoborn Gyratory, which has seen a lot of deaths um, and is a very difficult junction to, to cycle through. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's, am, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's quite a messy thing. And um, uh, although the council said they're trying to make it safer, I'm sure they are. I mean, it's just the kind of volume of stuff that's going through there. Um, uh, yeah, and then we do a bit around uh, sort of London parks with Cycling Mikey, who is a character that some people will be familiar with, who tr- who sort of s- describes himself as a cyclist who was trying to, who'd had enough of being pushed around, and so he films uh, yeah. films drivers. Previous, previous podcast guest. Cycling there you go. So people know him. 
Um, great. Well, Richard, I mean, if you were to say, if you had, I mean, you know, I know that you said that you didn't want to kind of influence people and you just wanted to kind of, you know, put this stuff out there. But if you, if you, if you had, if people came away from this program thinking one thing, what would you hope that would be? I think it'd be a bit more like, like a lot of things that you do in my job. It just would be a bit more awareness. You know, it's a bit more awareness. I don't think that all drivers uh, are bad. I think most drivers are good. And I don't think all cyclists are perfect, but I think most do their best. But I think if there's more awareness that it, it isn't a f- kind of funny war because, because, you know, cyclists get killed and people are in a car protected. And so it's not equal. Uh, so an awareness of, you know, I'm just a, like a middle-aged bloke. People will painfully see how I am not an athlete when I'm cycling around. It's it's a hobby. It's a thing I do because I want to get out and about and keep fit. And yet, when cars come close to me, it's really frightening. There were one or two things that we, in the end, they didn't make the final edit, but the cars coming really close to me, and I tried to level with the camera and go, look, like I'm an experienced cyclist, and I don't like that. That makes my heart race. That's not, I don't like that. So, so it would be an awareness. It would be from both sides, but an awareness that, you know, we are allowed on the roads. If you look at the the, the, the sort of where we're, we're the pedestrians, then us, and then motorized vehicles. So you're not doing us a favor by cutting us a bit of space. It's, it's the highway code and we deserve to be there. But to try and understand all sides, I suppose it came out. But if you, if you wanted to distill it down, it's just a bit of awareness, what it's like to be on a bike and just feel that that van's too close and that could hurt me if it if it came any closer so just just a sense of what it's like to be a cyclist on uk roads collective bicycle cover by lacquer exists to rewrite the rules of insurance so it's something people stand with not against lacquer has been voted best cycling insurance provider for the last four years running no excess no depreciation no contract no funky fine print and a five-star rated customer service an experience so good you might actually want to claim so whether it's a pothole that's buckled your wheel some knob that nicked your bike or an airline who's lost your gear you can be sure lacquer has got your back new customers can get 30 days free bicycle insurance using the code roadccpod30 well matt thank you very much for joining us um hopefully we can shed some light on the training myths and everything i i would like to start by just if you're setting one of your clients um some sessions what do you look for in the benefits of indoor riding and outdoor riding sure yeah thanks liam Uh, thanks for having me so indoor training i mean i've been a massive advocate of indoor training for you know good good number of years probably uh, since before it kind of became fashionable and all these indoor training apps um, but obviously the indoor training apps have made it much more palatable to kind of get through long, longer sessions. But when I look at indoor training, the main benefits are you know, the efficiency of training indoors. So how, how time efficient jumping on your turbo trainer is. And that's because of the concept of uh, muscle and retention. So there's much greater time that your muscle fibers are tense and firing and c- contracting on the turbo versus the road when you're freewheeling for bends and roundabouts and, and downhills and the like. And I always say there's kind of roughly up to kind of a multiplier of 1.5. So kind of an hour on the turbo equals roughly uh, up to one and a half hours on uh, on the road, uh, mainly because of that um, muscle and the tension time. Um, but again, indoor training, just effective. 
you know, it works. You can complete your efforts and your intervals to the letter um, without interruption. And it's just much easier to control those two key variables, uh, intensity and duration. So, um, yeah, uh, those two are the main main benefits of indoor training, along with heat stress, of course. Um, you know, there is that added, added benefit of um, being able to regulate your body temperature better, so improve thermoregulation. Um, you can then kind of regulate your temperature in hot and cold uh, environments. Uh, and then outdoors, I guess the outdoor side of things is probably a bit more uh, well understood. You know, it's kind of the social aspect, bike handling, um, and just that inertia and that feel of riding a bike indoors is different to outdoors. Just when you get, get out the saddle and try and sprint outdoors, your bike falls away from you, indoors it doesn't. So if your goals are outdoors, you really need to be spending time outdoors. You can't train um, entirely off a diet of indoor training. And then, so those are the good sides. I know that there are some aspects to indoor training and outdoor training. For me, as a rider, if I'm looking to do longer efforts, especially around here in the Mendips, yep. there's nowhere really that I can do those longer efforts outside but then also equally inside my sprinting is my sprinting is dire yeah. out on the road it's yeah. even worse inside so that i guess there are downsides to both both aspects as well yeah absolutely ultimately you need to be spending a fair chunk of time um doing the discipline that you want to want to be good at so if your goals are you know long distance outdoor riding you need to uh, within your weekly training regime spend you know a fairly um long amount of time, maybe it's, it's your, your weekend ride outdoors in the elements um, and get, getting used to it. But, you know, pros and cons of each, I do think there's kind of a, a magic magic mix in there somewhere that combines indoor and outdoor training um, together. Lovely. Um, and we want to take a look at as kind of a suggested week of training. Now, you were telling me off camera that you've designed this for someone that maybe um, is kind of the average cyclist, you know, a bit more like me, um, that maybe wants to do some sportives, might dabble in a bit of road racing, but generally a club rider that is just wanting to be nice and fit. Yeah, exactly that. And and most, I would say, 95% of the bike riders that we coach at Rowan King fall into this category of um, having roughly enough time for three, maybe four uh, indoor sessions in the week when they're tight for time. So indoor sessions normally, again, people tend to be quite optimistic with estimating how much time they've got available, um, especially when we kind of first in, in, get introduced to new uh, new clients. But it's kind of around an hour. That's uh, the amount of time that most riders consistently commit to indoor training. So I think there's a magic mix really of in the week, three roughly one hour indoor uh, turbo sessions. And then on the weekend, getting out for your your longer road riding typically. So if that's maybe two hours um, on a Saturday with one other rider, just get out and get it done. And then maybe it's on a, on a Sunday, the classic club run uh, in a bigger group. And again, coming back to the benefits I mentioned earlier, then throughout the week, you're going to kind of touch upon you know, group riding, um, a couple of outdoor rides, you know, getting used to the elements, um, round bends and all that good stuff, uh, corning, bike handling capabilities, and then indoor then, it's your chance through those three one-hour sessions to kind of get down to the specificity and uh, get some hard, structured work done. 
We're also talking about time of year as well, because training will vary, you know, from the height of summer to now. We're talking about someone that is kind of going into winter and maybe looking to boost their endurance. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, when, when you kind of, someone asks me, you know, uh, what does a good training uh, week look like for a cyclist? It's such a broad uh, question. I think, so what I've done here is the week I've suggested is for the type of rider who does maybe sportifs, maybe dabbles or kind of like to dabble in some sort of uh, racing, maybe thinking about doing a road race um, and roughly has, you know, five, six, maybe seven hours a week to train, uh, predominantly indoors in the week, uh, certainly in the winter, this, this time of year, and then gets out on the road through the, through, the, through the weekend. And I keep coming back to cycling is an endurance sport. And it's a super endurance sport for, for many if you're doing uh, long distance sportifs. So when you're looking at the kind of attributes um, that you want to kind of coach and develop in a, in a bike rider, you know, endurance and efficiency, power, you know, being explosive, um, speed, so being fast, you know, climbing ability. For me, your aerobic efficiency, so how efficient you can produce aerobic power, basically your endurance, that is absolutely critical. So it's, it's critical that you want to try and nudge up that what we call that first lactate turn point so you can produce more power without increasing the production of lactate which happens kind of exponentially as, as it sets on so um the three sessions i'm gonna kind of talk to mainly focus on yeah training that aerobic uh, system to be able to produce more energy aerobically which kind of translates into two key things you can ride at low intensities for longer so you improve your endurance and also you can produce more power before needing your anaerobic energy systems to increase their contribution. So you can kind of ride faster for the same energy cost, if we say. And um, you know, everyone's, everyone's talking these days about um, zone two and low intensity training and kind of jumping on that, that kind of bandwagon. And there is a lot of value in spending time at a low intensity, but um, you know, a lot of the talk um, and the case studies around cyclists, you know, professional cyclists who have almost an infinite number of hours to train a week. So, um, you know, if you've got 20, 25 hours a week to train, you can spend you know, a lot of that time and you'll need to spend a lot of that time at a low intensity in what we call zone two, so kind of your endurance all day pace. But even for the time crunch cyclist who's only got maybe a couple of hour sessions in the week, I still think there's time, especially this time of year, I've headed into the winter for uh, kind of a classic zone two effort, kind of without any let up. So I think probably the minimal effective dose of zone two training depends on how fit you are. But if you're an untrained cyclist and you're new to cycling, then you know, 30 minutes riding at a low intensity of, at zone two is going to be beneficial. Whereas if you're a seasoned racing cyclist, you know, you could, you're going to need kind of an hour and a half or, or more indoors to kind of do you much, much, much benefit. So, but for most, um, I think, you know, if you smack, smack bang in the middle of the week, if we said on a Wednesday, you're going to have um, kind of an hour's worth of zone two riding on the turbo trainer. That's uh, that's going to be kind of a nice solid effort, and it won't be too demanding that you're going to struggle after maybe Tuesday's workout, um, and it won't leave you too fatigued to do another session on the on the Thursday. So that's my first kind of banker session is a, a Wednesday. Let's get that uh, zone two, keep the chain tight for an hour type type session. Sounds sounds kind of suspiciously easy that um, what i'm what i'm fearing is what happened on tuesday 
So what what will we do in Tuesday? Yeah, good, good, good point. And again, I'm always conscious that you know you, you can't push riders too hard all year round. So kind of we're in the winter, so the the board structure is going to be uh, rest Monday, rest Friday, steady session Wednesday, which leaves uh, opportunity for more intense workouts on Tuesday and Thursday. So Tuesday is probably going to be the most intense workout of the week, and it's what I call 2040s. So again, you you can play around with the with the amount of time. Uh, or amount of repetitions of 2040s that you complete. But the 2040s stands for 20 seconds and 40 seconds. And it's 20 seconds high intensity, so kind of a surge in effort, so it's kind of a hard, hard intensity. So if you've got a power meter, we're talking around 150% of your FTP, straight into 40 seconds easy recovery. So just you know you're on it, 20 seconds hard, um, 40 seconds easy recovery. And that those 20 seconds should feel hard, but they're not a max effort because we're going to do uh, two 15-minute blocks uh, within a workout. So that's 30 efforts in total. And again, you, you can play around with the number of efforts you do. You can split them into two blocks, three blocks, have one big block, depending on how your fitness progresses. Um, but this workout does a few things for you. It kind of helps you produce more power above your lactate threshold, above that FTP, that critical um, threshold that we talk about uh, and helps you increase the amount of work you can do above that FTP. So it's a concept called um, W prime. Um, and we know that it's, it's very rare that you go out in a group or on, on a bike ride where the intensity is perfectly consistent. And there's always surges in effort. So this aims to help you tolerate those surges in effort by replicating it in training. So it's um, 20 second surge, hard effort, 40 seconds recover, and what you'll notice throughout uh, each block, each 15-minute block, is your heart rate will actually be more akin to kind of riding in your endurance zone. There's also a nice way to kind of cardiovascularly stress yourselves um, like an endurance ride, kind of a topper zone to endurance ride, but having that benefit of being quite stimulating uh, with those varied efforts. So it's not that, not that boring, basically. And that was episode 37 of the Road CC podcast in association with Lacquer. Um, I think that was a really excellent podcast, to be honest, um, if I do say so myself, because I found both what Matt was talking about in terms of how he likes to train his clients, the benefits of indoor cycling, and you know everything kind of surrounding that was really interesting, really insightful. But also Richard's insight into what it was like kind of being in the middle of that uh, kind of, I wouldn't say struggle, but in the middle of that kind of discussion around, you know, cars and cyclists and this, you know, massively polarized issue and kind of what he found in different places. And what I found really interesting was kind of the, the elements of trying to maintain balance when he kind of fully admits that he is kind of a full paid up cyclist and ultimately the reason that he did the show in the first place was because he'd found these issues himself so I mean trying to trying to keep balance within that context is really interesting and how he was approaching it was really good even though Rod Little got um, mentioned not ideal but still it sounded actually like it was quite a positive um, experience so yeah I, I hope that you guys enjoyed that as much as I did um If you are listening to this before 8 o'clock on Wednesday, the 2nd of November, you can catch it at 8 on the BBC. 
or if you are either well before eight or well after eight on Wednesday, you can also catch it on iPlayer. Um, just search for Road Rage Cars versus Bikes. So, yeah, that's episode 37. Hope you guys enjoyed it. So until next time, cycle safe. Bye.